All right, here we are. We got our coffee. We're good. My name's Rex Butts. I'm here with Casey Costin and Rusty Jordan. We're here to talk about Jesus going to college, campus missions and discipleship. I've been serving, I serve as the lead minister with the Newark Church of Christ here in Newark, Delaware, and I've been serving in ministry for 20 years. Uh, I recently finished a doctor of ministry in contextual theology. And one of the reasons I pursued that was this realization that the context we live in is changing so much. Um, we're in what many people regard now as a post-Christendom culture. And the way that we used to go about doing evangelism and missions and all that, which seems so easy to do, just doesn't work out so well anymore. So there's this burning question about, well, how do we go about leading people to follow Jesus, forming faith in them, and especially here in our context with the University of Delaware, the Blue Hens, how do we go about forming faith and engaging college students so that they will become followers of Jesus? Casey and Rusty, why don't you just start out real quickly and tell me about yourselves. Yeah, thanks, Rex. So one of the things I like to say about my story with uh, respect to campus ministry is the fact that I went to the University of Arkansas to be a chemical engineer. And I was good at math and science, wanted, you know, just to get a good degree with engineering. But it was the campus ministry at Arkansas that changed my life over the course of those four years. So I got to be an intern, at least my senior year. We took a trip to Romania together. We just did all these kind of things together. So by my senior year, I'm having a conversation with my parents at Christmas, telling them that I think God is calling me into ministry. So I go out to, I finish the degree, but I go out to Abilene, get a master's, and uh, come out of that and start looking for ministry opportunities. And I'm able to go to Ole Miss and serve there for 15 years. And then God calls me here with Rusty to Delaware. And it's just been a huge blessing that what changed my life, uh, I now get to serve in ways to hopefully let God use me to change other college students' lives. So, Rusty, tell me a little about yourself. Hey, yeah, thanks, Rex. Um, as you know, I am the Reflect Campus Missions Planting Director. My job is to recruit and partner with local churches to help start, uh, envision, and dream about what God can do on the college campuses around them. Uh, 20 years ago when I was at college at Oklahoma Christian, originally a computer science major, and uh, focusing on getting computer science degree, God really had a profound effect on me, and that changed my degree to ministry. Uh, but during that time, someone gave me a book by Milton Jones, who also an amazing campus minister, uh, about Christianity during a postmodern world. And it really got me thinking, how are we outreaching? How are we impacting these lives, and how are we living in a way that's going to have a profound effect and this starts with people in college as they're trying to make those decisions of um, what they're going to do how they're going to do it but they're also looking for how they can be a positive influence in their society and when people give their lives to christ how christ transforms us allows us to do that so that's why um, i've taken on this role to help plant and train up new people for campus ministry yeah very good thank you you know, as I, I think about our topic, I, this joke always comes to mind of this little girl who was sitting in the mall and she was reading her Bible. And as she's sitting there at this bench reading her Bible, this older man sits down near her and after a while he says, is that a Bible you're reading there? And she says, 
Why, yes, it is. Mm. After a while, he says, you believe everything in that Bible? She goes, well, sir, yes, I do. I, I do believe everything in that Bible. And he goes, hmm. Then he goes, you know, there's a story in there about a man who gets swallowed by a large whale. She goes, oh, you're talking about Jonah. He goes, yeah. You mean to tell me you really believe that? And she says to the older man, she goes, yeah, I do believe it. And, and when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask him all about it. And the old man just kind of sits there for a while. Then he goes, yeah, well, what if Jonah's in hell? And the little girl, mortified as, as the thought comes across her mind, but then she wisely looks at the older man and says, well, sir, then you'll have to ask him about it. <laughs> you know, I, 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 it's, it's a funny joke, but I think, you know, if evangelism and missions and discipleship was just that easy, where everyone just automatically believed, like this little girl seems to believe, our job would be so much easier. And I, as I think about this, I also think about this passage in John 14, where in the context, Jesus has been having this conversation with his disciples. And he's telling them he's going to leave. He's already gathered them around the table where he's washed their feet and told them, just as I've done this, so you ought to do this to one another. And he's telling them, then the new command I give you is you must love one another because I'm leaving. The world's going to know that this is your, how you are my disciples if you love one another. And as he's talking to them about leaving, there's this man named Judas, not Judas Iscariot, who asks Jesus, why doesn't he just show himself to the world like he's showed himself to us? Which, which certainly make things a lot easier for them. Just show yourself to the world, Jesus. And Jesus' response is simply, those who love me will keep my word. It's, it's that call back to obedience, which gets us right into discipleship, following Jesus' faith formation. How do we, how do we teach and lead people, college students, to become followers of Jesus, to learn to keep his word? So how do you engage students? How do you go about engaging students and leading them to follow Jesus in the 21st century? In our context, this postmodern, post-Christendom context. That's a really good question, Rex. Um, first off, it starts with prayer. I mean, you're going to hear us say all yes. throughout this uh, prayer, prayer, prayer. We try to do so much on our own and we try to bullhorn through things. And um, unfortunately, uh, though it makes us feel like we're doing stuff, we're going to run into so many roadblocks. And mm -hmm. so it starts with investing time in prayer. And then next it's, as we're investing time in prayer, how are we investing in others? And so the way we do this is we meet people, and as we're outreaching, uh, we, we have a, a chart that we follow that we try to move relationships from casual relationships, to where our conversations are casual, to more meaningful relationships, from meaningful relationships to spiritual relationships and discussions, and then from spiritual discussions to biblical discussions. And the reason for this is too often we try to jump straight into that Bible study without building a proper relationship where we live intentionally, spiritually, 
and have spiritual aspects of our lives coming out during those conversations, that the spiritual and biblical just flow naturally. Uh, but too often we just try to jump straight into that biblical uh, discussion without ever first doing the rest. So a very good example would be a student that we're, I'm currently working with. Four months ago, he would have claimed to be a strong ag agnostic. But because we've been investing in him in different ways through D&D uh, &D and, and uh, just getting to know him and inviting him to Applebee's and having little spiritual elements being thrown out in our conversations uh, throughout this, last week when we met with him, you know, we got off onto um, justice in our society. And from justice, we got off, he was able to bring it to a spiritual context of, of what does God call justice to be like? And then from that to the characteristics of God. And this Wednesday, I'm not going to be here, but my intern and one of our students is now having a Bible study on characteristics of God. Um, and it's, they're actually reading scripture and we're now in the Bible study. But it took four months. Right. So prayer, because it's not our work. We're just right. joining God's work in D&D, &D, Dungeons and Dragons, playing a game, just hanging out, having fun. And out of that, you're able to invest and then start helping him see connections between questions he has about that our culture brings up and bring them back to where God is in all this. Yeah, but the, the, the important part is our Dungeons and Dragons isn't just for fun. It was something that we intentionally, purposely invited certain people that we felt like we could outreach to. And uh -huh. so the whole entire thing was, this is an outreach. This is not just a game night. And um, with that mindset in mind, we had amazing people uh, who've come and joined us and helped us along the process. Very nice. You know, I'd add with the engagement and the prayer, uh, Rusty's uh, mentioned a prayer calendar that uh, we've, we've had some training on. And one of the neat things, the prayer becomes like the spiritual trigger. And Rusty may talk about the spiritual triggers more, but it's real, I've learned it's real easy to ask students, hey, what's something we can be praying about for you? And 90, you know, 90, 95% or more, you know, will tell you something, uh, whether they believe in God and, and, and all that, but it at least allows them to know, okay, you're a spiritual person, you're interested in praying for me, mm -hmm. and they will share something. And we make sure we're writing that down and we're keeping up with it. And then we follow up with them in a week, in a month, you know, we say, hey, I've been praying about this for you. So we're really starting to make sure that that's in our DNA, that the students know, hey, we're praying. And, and of course, the next step is trying encouraging them to be checking with people in their lives for prayer. Uh, the other thing I want to say about uh, engaging college students, and, and some of this <clears throat> I think maybe comes kind of with how I think God's gifted me, but I do think with college students, this is important that we come with a humble posture so uh, the listen, learn, and love uh, are kind of three L's that I, I go with that because if the Bible says God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble, we know that we want to be humble in being missionaries, uh, that we don't want to assume, that we don't want to condemn, we don't want to uh, have a bunch of assumptions about where students are, that we want to start by asking questions. And, and Rusty's really you know, encouraged us to lead with curiosity and to just ask them questions that would allow them to tell their story. Yes. And the more they're able to tell their story, they feel safe, they feel like, okay, this person genuinely cares about my life. You know, you're taking in a lot of data on their life and you know, you're just trying to see how God's at work in, okay, I learned about a broken home. I learned about 
this pressure to perform and be perfect in college. I learned about eating disorders. I learned about, you know, you just hear all these things that come from their lives. And then you're kind of able to build on that and say, well, would you like to continue having a spiritual conversation or a Bible conversation about uh, some things that may may help you uh, mm-hmm. with, with a lot of what you've shared today? So uh, that listening, learning, loving, all from a position of humility is really what college students need, I think, because they're generally skeptical uh, at first. And so you've got to make sure that you're leading with that humility. I love that. That listening, learning, and loving is, is our mutual friend, Fred Ligon, would say, that's how you really lead people. Hmm. Just that, you know, when you lo- listen to them and you're able to learn about them and love them, you gain that capacity then to be able to lead them. And, you know, as you guys are saying, you know, then you can have those spiritual conversations. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's, he mentioned something about uh, spiritual triggers. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times in college, you, you, there are three things you, I've always thought that you don't talk about. You don't talk about uh, religion, politics, or sex. Well, on college campus, they're now talking about sex and politics, so why can't we talk about religion? Right. And uh, so spiritual triggers are a great, great way to bring uh, spiritual conversations up. And they're, they're very simple. It's like someone's asking you, how are you doing? You know, God's blessed with a great day. How about you? And if your day is really not great, you have a horrible day, you know, you say, my day really sucks, but I could use some prayer. How are you doing? In both instances you put your reliance on God into that conversation. Mm. And so finding little areas that you can sprinkle spiritual conversations with, uh, or spiritual moments, uh, spiritual triggers, then you can, uh, people know because that you rely on God. And you're going to have those days when someone comes up to you. And this works anywhere, not just on a college campus. When I was a butcher, oh, we did this, and I, I, I would do this at work. And finally, this lady came up to me in the freezer. It's like, hey, Rusty. I know you're a Christian because of how you talk. I got some questions. You got some time. And we were able to sit down and have an amazing conversation. Got out of the freezer, of course, was, um, and had some amazing conversations. And so how are we being intentional at putting spiritual conversation back in our lives? That's one in knowing you. There's, I know there's intentionality with that. So both of you are seasoned campus ministers. You've been at this for a while, not novices. Um, so maybe you could share with us some of the challenges that you face now engaging campus missions. I think one thing that I've, I've been on a journey uh, discovering uh, in all my years of campus ministry so far, it's kind of wrestling with... Um, an attractional model uh, versus uh, missional model, which uh, hopefully the words can explain it a little bit. But you know, attraction is is somewhat like if you build it, they'll come. Uh, and so, if you do the biggest event, if you do the best event, if you get the most people there, that that's ten, that's how you tend to define success. Well, what I appreciate appreciate about what Rusty's doing here and how I'm kind of getting into the the team here at UD is the missional model uh, for me is just more focused, I would think, on how Jesus gathered a small group of disciples around him and he trained them and he invested in them. So you focus on a few. Uh, and so that, that's really helped me kind of deal with kind of the church and ministry side of, of the challenge working with college students. That when, when you, it's about attraction, it's about you know checking your numbers and defining success based on a lot of metrics that I don't think are kingdom metrics. Uh, 
Um, the other thing, you know, just with working with college students is, you know, obviously in COVID, one of the things we heard at one point was how everything has to be decentralized right now. And I think our ministry was already set up well for de having to decentralize because we were already focused on one-on-one -on -one Bible studies, one-on-one -on -one coffee meetings, uh, very small group things. So I really appreciate that we've been able to be nimble uh, through the challenges of the pandemic because we focus on a few and we start small and we know we recognize that it takes a while uh, for for movements to grow. And so when you invest in one or two or three, uh, you know, you're, you're going to get to 10, 20, 30 later, you know, but when you're investing in them a few at a time, God really blesses that over the long haul. Yeah, uh, I love what Kate, one of the things Casey mentioned here was uh, we are kingdom focused. This is, uh, we get we get so busy on, this is what we got to do, this is the numbers we got to meet. And, and I come from a computer science background, so I love numbers. Right. Uh, numbers are like candy. Um, and, and I, but it's not about the numbers, it's about the lives that are being transformed. It's uh, Our intern preached a sermon today, this morning, and he talked about the, the woman who was bleeding who touched uh, Christ. And, and he said, hey, who touched me? Who touched me? And Jesus' response to her when she came, came up was, he called her daughter. And it's the only time in the Bible where Jesus calls somebody daughter, but it was because of that care and that love and him wanting to comfort her. And our goal is to be like Christ and to focus on investing in a few to help them grow spiritually. And when we invest in a few, they're going to naturally start investing in others and sharing their faith and living it out. And you're going to have that growth. Um, but our focus needs to be on investing in a few um, and not on being as attractional. I mean, there's nothing wrong with attractional as long as you can invest in everyone that you have. Sure. Yeah. Right. We still do attractional events, but but they're very intentional. They're very few uh, because you know we're we're investing in students and, and we've got plenty of students to invest in from those few things. I was going to say, and you may add to this too, with the challenges. Uh, I think international students are very open. They're very friendly. They want friendships. They're eager to get into conversations. I think I realized with international students, the challenges you face is, are just their worldviews. Their worldviews are vastly different and you realize the time it's going to take to invest in them to help them get over some of the hurdles that they face coming to Jesus. I think with American students for me I just think of in general they even here at UD I've experienced they've been there done that they have had a church experience of some kind and it didn't go well uh, that something or they just felt like they grew out of it and they kind of gained a level of sophistication or skepticism in college that kind of says, you know, I just don't think I'm there anymore. Uh, and so you really kind of have to work on helping love them where they will be willing to listen to you again over something they think, you know, they've already tried and, and they're done with. This kind of gets back to the listening, learning, and loving, the, the, the intentionality of investing, because you do, you know, on a college campus, you have a diversity of backgrounds, not, not a bad thing, but with so many vastly different worldviews, different experiences growing up, you have to be flexible enough, just can't assume that everyone fits the same mold and yeah. listen. It's uh, a quick story on this would be Buster. Uh, when we first met him, he came to our, our Tuesday dinner and he was disruptive. Mm -hmm. um, 
Uh, and so the next week when he showed up, uh, I was just like, oh, man. Uh, this, this dinner and study is going to go horrible again. But instead of um, him joining a group, I said, hey, Buster, how about you come outside and talk? And so he and I just sat on the front porch, and I was like, so tell me about your faith. He's like, I don't have faith. Like, you, you got to believe in God. He's like, nope, I don't believe God exists. And so through asking questions, like he was saying, listening, uh, learning, and loving, we got that conversation throughout the next 45 minutes to turn to, well, if God existed, I would hate him. So he came from an atheistic view where he knew everything to now this agnostic view that, well, God might exist, and if he does, I hate him. And now Buster is this passionate person uh, who's uniquely living out his faith in all ways. Um, and it's impact, and other people are seeing it. We just had a student we're reaching out to, the one just shared earlier, uh, talk about how Buster, naturally speaking about his faith, has impacted him. Um, and so it's how are we investing in that student? And um, how are we taking Buster, who came to an attractional event, but now we're focused on investing into him instead of just pulling more people in. Yeah, I can remember when I first came here and first meeting Buster, and it was apparent he didn't seem very interested. And then remember right here in our own building, him being baptized and now just living out his faith. It's a great example. Uh, how do you go about meeting students and engaging them as campus ministers? I know you've already touched on that um, somewhat, but uh, you know, you're on, on campus, you're the campus minister, campus missionary. How do you go about meeting one of those students? You probably just don't walk up to someone and say, hey, stop and talk to me. So how do you go about meeting those students, engaging them as a campus missionary? Yeah. One of the things I've, I've wrestled with is always being open to divine appointments uh, with the Colossians 4 model. And if I'm prayer walking, if I'm at the coffee shop, if I have an opportunity, and, and can start up a strike up a conversation there that you know I can hand them my card. God can use that. Uh, but one of the things, kind of with our intentionality here, I've really sought out two major entry points uh, with college students. Uh, the first one with American students has been something just new. We started in the fall uh, doing a mental health support group. Now anybody's welcome. International students are welcome. Few international students come. But, you know, this is a very uh, common thing now on college campuses. There's a lot of talk about how bad mental health is on college campuses. And <clears throat> I had a little tool that I used uh, even back in Mississippi uh, with one of my friends who taught it to us. And so we just use this simple little tool. And so it doesn't require much prep, but you can go through, go through it each week with a group of students. We've got a group in our ministry that are doing it. And I've started another uh, group outside of our ministry. And so, I'm able to meet students that I never would have met otherwise through that. Now, the, the thing that takes prayer and discernment with the Spirit is trying to figure out how to, how to go from, you can get to meaningful pretty quick in a mental health support group, but trying to figure out how through text, email, direct message, you know, if you start following some of these students on Instagram, then you start trying to figure out how to make sure they know you're, you're spiritually minded, you're encouraging them to be spiritually minded. So. It's been really neat to kind of go through that process. It's still very early in the process since we just started in the fall during a pandemic, but that's an entry point for me with American students, especially. Mm -hmm. 
Now, uh, one thing that we really uh, give thanks to Let's Start Talking and Friends Speak is just having, you know, Bible conversations, conversational uh, English lessons using the Bible with our international students. And so at our waffle night in the fall, in the fall this uh, Chinese lady and her family were walking by and we invited her to start English lessons. And the next week she was ready to start. Uh, so a lot, with a lot of international students, they're wanting to improve their English. Many of them are open to using the Bible. And so we really see that as a wonderful opportunity to, to get into a spiritual and biblical conversation pretty fast. And sometimes their English will take time to catch up with where they're, where they're at spiritually, but um, it, it provides a great entry point for us. I'm all about Colossians 4, 2 through 6, and I know Casey is what, as well. We, between the two of us, I think we've preached countless sermons uh, on this one passage. Uh, but it talks about praying with thanksgiving and alertness. So you're praying with thanksgiving for what God has already done and alertness for what God is doing. And a lot of times we, we don't view it that way, but God's already at work. You know, he talks about his fields are ready for harvest. And and so how are we looking to see where is God already at work and how can we get involved with it? Um, and so just like me, she was somebody who was seeking, who was interested. Um, we had a girl named Candace. I was just talking to her this morning and she was talking. She actually met her at a waffle truck two years ago. She, however long that was <laughs> ago. But she talked about how she got lost. And someone yelled at her across the street to come get a free waffle. Um, and that we, we ended up having a meaningful conversation from that. But Colossians 4, so we're praying for opportunities. But one of the things you also need to pray for is for God to open your eyes to see those opportunities. Because a lot of times we say, oh, we're, we're praying to see where God's at work. We just don't see him at work. Well, we're just looking in the wrong direction. Uh, we need to have our eyes open. And so then he tells us to make the most of our opportunities. So just like with Candace, when she came over for the waffle, how do we make the most of that opportunity with Candace or with me? How do we make the most of that opportunity? And then it says, season our conversations with salt and grace. So how are we speaking in a way that our faith and reliance on God comes out, but not offensive, but also gracefully for the people um, who are different and who live different, um, and so that they see something different in us. And well, I just want to make sure and connect that spiritual trigger language with the salty grace conversation. I think that's where the spiritual triggers, yes. that's how you're connecting that to the Colossians 4 yeah. about salt and grace. And so when we connect those spiritual triggers, it allows us to build those relationships and have amazing conversations uh, that can continue on. Especially with our international students, one of my favorite things to do is when we get done with them, it's like, hey, what can I be praying for you about? And some of them say, well, I don't believe in God. I was like, that's okay, I do. And, you know, I had one who walked away and five minutes later came back with a list of <laughs> 10 things. Uh, <laughs> even though he told me he didn't believe in God, but he gave me 10 things to be praying for. And so I got his number so I could follow up with him on those things that we could be praying for. Mm -hmm. And so being intentional, uh, making the most of our opportunities, God's going to be able to use us to do great things, like Ephesians 2 says. So if, if I can, I want to circle back to something. Uh, you, we were talking earlier, came up about the difference between missional and attractional. As I always say the opposite of missional is not you know, attractional. We just don't want to stay on attractional only. So you guys talking about um, the waffle truck. This is an event you guys start out every semester 
uh, one of the shepherds of our church, uh, Joe Gibardo and his wife Sue, they own a small business, a coffee and waffle truck, Waffle and Joe's, we'll give a shout out for them. But they come over uh, at the beginning of every semester and serve free waffles. It's, it's an event designed to attract people. The difference is, it's a way you're engaging students the, the difference between the missional and attractional is, is we're not looking, well, we got a bunch of students out that night, therefore all is good. Is you guys want to be intentional in continuing on and pursuing uh, those conversations uh, with those students, uh, being intentional, but spiritual triggers, listening and learning and seeing, you know, where they're at and just beginning where they're at. That way you can engage them and point them towards Jesus. And yeah. Our, our goal is not to plan an extravagant event. Our job is to pull in other people who can organize events so that we can focus on uh, outreach. Yeah. So, um, you meet a student. Uh, as we already talked about, you know, the, these students, whether they're international students who come with a variety of different backgrounds, uh, religious backgrounds, maybe they are religious, maybe they're not. Um, American students, maybe some of them grew up in a church, maybe they're, they're what we sometimes now call the church, and, and might even have reasons why they just said, this Christian stuff isn't for me anymore. Do you meet these students? How do you go about leading the students from wherever they're at to the point where they will come to faith and be baptized into Christ, re receive that baptism and go on living as a faithful follower of Jesus? Mm. That's a good question. So, uh, you know, I, I think of uh, Trong, who's, who's one of our Vietnamese mm -hmm. uh, Friends, he's here, he's working, he wants to get into school, he's just trying to get a few things figured out. But he came to our Thanksgiving dinner, uh, fall 2019, saw the sign out front, texted me, we got him a ride, and he came to our Thanksgiving dinner. Over the course of, uh, so we started casual, but we got meaningful, you know, riding in the car with us, uh, you know, we got there pretty quick with him, but then we kind of stalled out for a few months, and, and we just texted some was trying to figure out ways to just keep inviting him to things. We did have something in our home in February, right before COVID, where he was able to be in our home. So he got to experience some hospitality. He got to meet some other students. He's a social butterfly, you know, loves people. So he's just constantly looking for, you know, those kind of opportunities. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I remember he had a moment where uh, he couldn't pay his rent. And so our church family was, it was a small amount, but it was still, you know, he just didn't have a job, I think, at the moment. Our church family was able to help him with that. And I could tell something clicked with him when we did that because he, he had not anticipated that. Um, and so God working in that way really started to open him up. So then we did start meeting and we would meet almost weekly. We started doing some prayer walking around the neighborhoods and he would come with me and we would pray. And then we got into some Bible studies uh, by late spring, early summer, and I have some conversations with him. And I'm always kind of looking for that spirit-led, prayerful, trying to look for, well, God, when is the best time 
to challenge a little bit more? When's the next best time to maybe be a little more direct uh, than I've been so far? Uh, and so I was a little more direct, a little more challenging about, hey, you know, if, if you're serious about following Jesus, uh, let's talk about baptism a little bit. Uh, he had a Buddhist background, and we talked about that some, but he knew about uh, Jesus. Uh, so anyway, for me, the great thing with what we're doing here is it really is contextual uh, for each person, you know, that we're able to collaborate with God on what he's doing in Trong's life. And with Trong, there were some these obvious steps that he took, that we took, that God took, that helped Trong get to the point so that by, what was it, six or seven, eight months, he had gone from texting about a Thanksgiving dinner to saying, I want to be baptized in Christ. Mm -hmm. And so we just look for with each student where they're at, uh, how, you know, sometimes it'll take longer to get into the actual Bible part. Uh, sometimes uh, it'll it'll be quick, but, but then it's the worldview issue where it takes one or two years to kind of deal with some of the ways they view the world and trying to help them have a biblical you know, worldview before they're going to be willing to really understand who Jesus is and be willing to follow. So I'll stop there a second. You add to that. I was actually just talking to his roommate this morning, and uh, he grew up as a Christian. He's an older man. He grew up as a Christian, uh, but started seeing something different in Trong's life, and he liked what he was seeing. And he came on one of our, our online meetings and just told us how appreciative he was for what we're doing. But now he's starting to study with uh, one of the members of our church here. And I, and I asked him today, he was like, hey, I just want to know before I leave, how's your faith doing? And he said, it has its ups and downs. And so he's somebody who has come back to faith because of the change in Trong's life. Mm -hmm. yes. um, that's been powerful. Uh, we, we have... Three students that just this past semester, it's been amazing. I'm going to tell them because they weren't uh, somebody I started reaching out to. Somebody who, my wife, you know, she's a full-time mother. And uh, she she does tutoring and some other stuff on the side. But she, there's this girl at uh, one of the houses that she cleaned. And um, my wife started trying to figure out ways that she could start investing in this girl. And one of the ways was they both enjoy working out. And so my wife started investing in this girl, and, and as this girl started uh, getting older, she started asking my, my wife other questions, uh, questions that she wouldn't ask others. And she got opportunities to start sharing with her and sharing with her and sharing with her. And then when she started seeking out some, some stuff spiritually because of her friends, uh, she needed somebody to root into for these spiritual discussions. And my wife and her, she's like, well, how about we just start, because my wife's throwing out spiritual triggers and, and spiritual advice here and there. But it took about a year um, to get to the point where my wife's like, well, how about we go out to eat and, and we can actually dig into the Bible and see what it says before they turn it into a Bible study. And last semester, uh, she ended up getting baptized. But in July, seven, eight months ago, you know, she introduced us to a guy that she liked. Um, he was baptized back in November. <laughs> Baptizing somebody in November up here at the end of November, the water's ice cold. Yeah, but, you know, ah, it's worth it. Um, right. And now his brother is the one that we just started to study with, we talked about earlier. And But as you can see here, there's all these different areas and different people who've gotten involved. It wasn't just me. It wasn't just Casey. Um, it was my wife, it, it was Buster, it was uh, Sarah and Joel and other people who've gotten involved in these people's lives, who's w made this web 
um, of, of us living out intentionally for Christ that's been impacting these lives and have brought so many to Christ. All right. So just for the, the video, Sarah is who you're referring to as our office manager here at the church. Her husband, Joel, participates on our worship team and everything. Great couple. And, you know, one of the things I'm hearing in this, uh, just a lot of intentional invitational, you know, inviting, leading, not forcing, not coercing, manipulating people, but yet being intentional and just letting God work. Yeah. Now, I would add this, and maybe it went earlier with the engagement, but some of the training we've done with Luke 10 on the person of peace, uh, I really think that's important for campus ministry because uh, when Jesus reach, reaches out to Matthew or Levi, you realize then he goes to dinner and he's got a whole group of tax collectors and sinners, you know, that he's got connected to because of Matthew. Cornelius was this person of peace who opened up his whole family and no doubt others since Jesus stayed a couple days. Mm -hmm. Then, of course, the Samaritan woman gives Jesus entry into her into her town because he has that one conversation with her. So I do really want to stress that for campus ministry that you're looking, you want to be open to everybody, but there is particular power uh, in a person of peace that is going to give you access uh, to more people who are going to be maybe interested in following Jesus because you're not going to have access to them, but you'll have access to them through that person of peace. And so that's really something that the Spirit is trying to show us from Luke 10. A good example of that would be a few years ago, we had a uh, Muslim woman that we were reaching out to, my wife and family, just uh, reaching out to the international students. The best thing that works for me is inviting them to meet my family. I have a pretty small family, about seven, and uh, <laughs> it's great conversation starters. But my wife started investing in this lady after she came uh, to eat, actually it was for Thanksgiving. Um, and, uh, and so she started telling other people she never her she herself never came to Christ but she saw something different in us and because of how we listened and how we loved her that she's like hey you guys got to come and see you guys got to come and meet these people and over the year that she year and a half she is here she ended up bringing 12 other people who we at BAC was able to get involved in and out of those 12 four of them ended up giving their lives to Christ so this person of peace she herself never gave her life to Christ, but she ended up bringing other people because she saw something different in us. She saw Christ living in us. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. I want to shift the conversation a little bit now uh, because, you know, as important as campus missions is here on the University of Delaware, we have a dream and a vision that's so much bigger than just the University of Delaware. There are thousands and thousands of college university campuses across North America, big and small, public universities and private universities. Among Churches of Christ, there are approximately 130 active campus ministries and 130 versus thousands and thousands. You don't have to, you know, you can do the math in your head. Uh, but as we all know, you know, there's a need for Christ on these campuses that, that Jesus will actually go to college, go to university classes with these students. Uh, so there's a need for planting new campus missions on 
university and college campuses, which is what we're trying to do now with Reflect Campus Mission. So, uh, Rusty, can you share a little bit with us about the vision for Reflect Campus Missions? Yeah. Uh, our vision for Reflect Campus Missions is not just planting, it's to transform students' lives for Christ. It's to plant vibrant campus ministries, and it's to develop disciples and leaders. And a lot of times we think of, oh, we're just going to uh, go reach out. We're just going to go uh, on the campus and do events, or we're just going to go and plant. But our, our focus really is on developing disciples and leaders, because when we develop proper disciples and leaders, the rest of it all falls into place. We develop disciples and leaders from unbelievers. We're going to be transforming lives for Christ. We're developing disciples and leaders. We're going to be helping to plant active campus ministries. And so our, our vision, our goal is to be recruiting from Christian schools or other schools like Connor, our current in, uh, apprentice. He's from Ar uh, Arkansas Tech. Arkansas Tech. And so to be training up others uh, to be actively living out their faith intentionally and making disciples. Yes. One of the great things that, you know, we've seen uh, in our partnership with uh, Chris Buxton and ULife uh, is we finally have several campus ministries that are trying to start apprenticeships uh, because, you know, we want to be hopefully on the frontier doing that, but there's got to be more than us, you know, doing that. So we're really thankful that more campus ministries are seeing the need to train someone locally, but who is preparing, you know, to go somewhere else because mm -hmm. there's just not enough of us out there. What's the process that you guys go about in training a uh, new campus ministry? You, you, you recruit them, identify those who God might be calling into campus missionaries. There's, there's a process for training them. What is that process? Tell us a little more about that. Um, so I think, so as Rusty and I partner uh, in training apprentices here, you know, I, I feel like I take on, obviously, some of the local responsibilities of showing the local context. Uh, so starting a, a prayer walk uh, ritual discipline in their life early on is really important. Connor's already done a good job doing his own prayer walks. I think he and I both would do some prayer walks together. I think our next step is trying to draw others, you know, into those prayer walks with us. And then, you know, Connor's found, you know, places on campus where he wants to hang out and study and meet people and connect. And so I think learning to just, you know, find those communities where you can be looking for persons of peace and where you can meet college students. It's a blessing to have a campus house, but you want to make sure you don't st stay hiding out in your campus house. So you're at the coffee shop. We're at these places where we do the support group. So you're always I'm trying to kind of just help them kind of find that that balance. Think about the tension between you know, campus house and on campus prayer walking by yourself, prayer walking with a student delegating versus, you know, taking the lead. So I always like kind of having those conversations with an apprentice and kind of help coaching them about uh, those things that are going to be important to them as they prepare, you know, for their own ministry someday. Uh, I, my focus is teaching intentionality. Um, intentionality in prayer, intentionality in uh, having spiritual conversations naturally, and intentionality on actively doing it. Uh, you can learn all the time through books, but if we're not actively doing it, then we aren't going to be able to fine tune it. And so my job is to not just to help them 
teach slowly, build through build building intentionality. As Casey mentioned earlier, the prayer chart, uh, building support, uh, one praying for our students, but also building a prayer team of people praying for you and praying for the ministry, the, the work that God has prepared for you to do. Um, and be praying for those students that you're reaching out to. And uh, so as we're building this intentionality, as we're building this prayer, um, then it's moving into how are you building those relationships? And then walking them through it. It's, it's real-time training. It's not, it's not just, here's a book, let's read it. We do go through books and discuss them, but it's now how do we live this out? What does this look like so we can grow and learn? Sure. I think one of the things that we've both... Uh, are working on as well is, is helping apprentices create a support team that does help them, you know, raise money for their ministry. Uh, and this can be done different ways in different places. But I think the challenge is if we're going to plant new ministries, you're going to be going to campuses where there may not be a church uh, that's going to be able to support you. You know, the way we some of us have been blessed in the South and other places to be to be uh, supported, you know, fully. So I think one of the things, you know, is, is they're having to learn that discipline. So there's a lot of habits and disciplines, even more than knowledge. There's, there's habits and disciplines that apprentices are having to learn so that they are adaptable and flexible and contextual for wherever God's going to send them next. Because if they do plant, they're very likely going to need, like we have, we're blessed by some great support teams who help, you know, fund our, our ministries here. And so that, that's something we really, you know, coach and pass along to apprentices as well. So some key words I'm, I'm hearing in here is coaching, teaching, walking, helping, which, you know, we have Connor, who's an apprentice, and an apprentice is a specific title. Uh, if you think about an apprentice in electricity, there's, if you're going to be an electrician, there are some things you have to learn out of the book. But you'll never become a good electrician only through book learning. You have to do it and have someone coming alongside you, teaching you, helping you, walking with you, coaching you, and see some of the mistakes, some of the do's and don'ts, the mistakes you, we all have made uh, ourselves in everything and in forming that process. Mm -hmm. You know, with campus missions, and as you mentioned, Casey, uh, it is good that there are other campus, existing campus ministries and churches who are realizing the need uh, to plant new campus ministries. It's certainly not something we can do on our own, uh, nor do we need to. Uh, so how can local churches be a part of this, be supportive of reflect campus mission, be supportive of planting new campus missions, uh, being supportive of new campus missionaries, and just all in all, be involved with intentionality. Yeah, uh, one of the big things is, one, start having a kingdom focus instead of a local church focus. Explain. Uh, this is so important because a college ministry most of your students aren't going to be staying. They're going to be going. And so we have to be okay with focusing on the kingdom rather than the local church focus. And what, what we've learned as we've been coming, our church here became more kingdom focused is by becoming kingdom focused, our local church naturally started to grow. Whereas when we became local church focused, it grew, but there was those struggles. 
Because if we, it's, it's like when you invite someone to church, sometimes they'll come to Christ. But if you bring someone to Christ, they naturally become part of the church. And so we need to make sure that we have a kingdom focus. And then we need to make sure that we have a prayer focus. As Casey had mentioned earlier, prayer walking. How are we prayer walking on campus? How are you going onto that campus, praying for the campus, interacting with students, saying, hey, I'm with a group here that's praying for this campus. What can we be praying for? Not is there anything, but what can we be praying for? And then when they give you stuff to be praying for, say, hey, is it okay if we pray for it now? They're like, no, I'm, no, I'm good. Or they're, yeah, that'd be great. Thank you. And it's amazing what type of impact you can have just by prayer walking on the campus. And as you prayer walk more and more and more, you're going to start seeing where God's working more and more and more. So this is the very basics of where you can stop. Build a culture of kingdom focus and prayer walking as you're trying to be more intentional with college-age people on that campus. I think just going back to you know the idea that Jesus intersected the lives of, of many others in the Gospels outside of the Twelve, but where he spent most of his time was with the Twelve. And, and we even have a smaller goal here of eight or so you know, that we're investing in on a weekly or regular basis. And I think, um, I think working with your local church on understanding kingdom metrics uh, and, and making sure everybody understands, okay, we're not going to judge the success of this campus ministry based on how many people are coming to the big event on Tuesday night. But it's going to be based more on, is Casey investing in eight people a week? Is Connor investing in four to eight, depending on you know where he's at in the process? Uh, and some of our other student leaders that help us. And so we just know that if we're investing, if we're planting and watering, you know, God's going to give the increase. The harvest will come when God's ready, uh, as long as we're faithful and prayerful and that kind of thing. So I think that's the biggest thing with a local church is you want to really make sure they understand uh, the metrics and, and make sure they're on board with how you're seeing success in your ministry so that everybody's on the same team and working well together. Mm -hmm. And one of the good ways for that is make sure you're telling the stories of where God is working and how he's working. Um, because when people start hearing how God's working, uh, they're able to join in on site and then they're not, they realize that just because you didn't have a lot of people show up, you did not invest in people. Um, some of the, I remember when I was a youth minister, there was one night, youth minister, a group of about 30 kids, but one night we had one show up on a Wednesday night. Most people were like, wow, you really felt as a youth minister. <laughs> but instead, I, I was like, hey, how about we go get ice cream? And he opened up in ways that he would have never opened up beforehand as I invested into his life and uh, helped him grow. And our relationship from that moment on drastically changed as I was able to start investing into him, helping him grow right. uh, spiritually. I think if I can sum up one thing there, a story is more powerful than a number. Yeah. All right. So I, I think the more we can you know, just share those stories, those those have the power to show that God's at work, you know, and so, so we don't have to get too caught up in the numbers. Yeah, thank you. Um, definitely storytelling and, you know, good things can happen out of one. I, you know, when you were saying about this one suit, I was thinking about the conversation Jesus had with Nicodemus in John 3. Just one person, but oh, such an important conversation. Uh, so if, if people want to know more about Reflect 
campus missions, what we're doing about planting campus missions, uh, they can go to our website, reflectmissions.org, uh, and you can find out more about uh, what Reflect Missions is about. You can find out the contact information, call, speak with Rusty, speak with Casey, and whatnot. Any last thoughts you guys want to share? I really do want to tell this story of, I kind of had it on my bucket list to go prayer walking at some other university campuses and the pandemic has made that hard obviously. But a few weeks ago, a small group of us went to Princeton and we got to prayer walk the Princeton campus. Just got, got to see it all. Um, we got to talk to a few students, engage a few students, ask them for prayer requests and several of them were very, you know, supportive and, you know, were willing to share. But I think the thing that really uh, encouraged me when I got back and I, I kind of reflected on the experience, posted something online and this dad reached out to me uh, who I'd met years ago at the conference, our campus ministry conference and said, my son is at Princeton. And right now he's not, you know, following Jesus, not sure where he is on God right now. And just knowing that we were on that campus praying gave him hope. And every parent uh, is, is like God, who is the parent who looks at all his children and knows that we need more followers of Jesus on these college campuses so that we're going to be able to bump into more students and bring more hope. Uh, and, you know, bless these parents, you know, but it, it just it makes you realize that this planting vision is about bringing hope to more campuses. And, and we want to be part of that because God is in the hope business. So I'm really thankful for, for that opportunity recently. And as we said earlier, you know, my job is to network and partner with churches and individuals to help plant and raise up apprentices. So please feel free to contact us and talk with us, see what we can do. Or even uh, Chris Buxton from uh, Life Planting. Mm -hmm. uh, we had the same mission and the same goal of helping to transform these campuses and helping churches to be healthy churches for a discipleship culture on these campuses. Yeah, it's such a needed mission. We are literally engaging the future of our world, the people who are going to go out there and be doctors and lawyers, engineers, school teachers, uh, and you know, serving in vocations that haven't even been created. Yeah, mm -hmm. and to think that they're going to be going out there as followers of Jesus. This is what the mission of God is, and this is what I end by a word of encouragement because I think most churches sense the difficulty of the season we're in, but it's the mission of God. It's not that the church has a mission, but that God has a church for His mission and. Our job is just to be faithful as followers of Jesus. And if we're faithful in following Jesus, everything is going to work out. We may not see how that's working all the time, but that's where we're called to have faith and just continue participating in the mission of God and here at Newark Church and so many other uh, churches on that have universities and college campuses near them see God working in the campus, and so that's what we're trying to do, and just thankful to be a part of this journey. Yeah. Thanks, Brian. You're welcome. Thanks a lot for everything. Yeah, thanks for listening, everybody. Hope this blesses everyone.